grand and supreme rising, people. No matter what part of the day you're in, this is a good time to pull all the energies around you together and make a big ball of clay and create something astounding. Welcome to Potters of Color 2.0, the podcast. I'm your girl, Robbie Lobb. Broadcasting from Philadelphia. Just want to do a summation piece to kind of close out the year, to close out our second season, being the first podcast about Afro-Indigenous potters, Vestaline Potters of Color. In the background, I have George Clinton from Funkadelic. Some of y'all might not remember that, and I understand. Pay attention, young buck. This is from the album Standing on the Verge, and it was put out in 1974. I'm checking for gray hairs now. Yes, my mother said the only way never to grow old is to die young, so I'll be an old head. Like Redman said, I'll be that. <laughs> anyway, this piece is called Good Thoughts, Bad Thoughts. And I'm going to let it play through. It's most especially important to get past the kind of easygoing, lazy beginning to hear what he has to say in the end. Very, very interesting. The kind of lyrical content that we need today, especially today. The creator only knows. Anyway, uh, I'm grateful for an astoundingly successful second season. We got to interview the Honorable Queen Mother of Pottery, Winnie Owens Hart, and Brother Roberto Lugo, and many others. Just go ahead and check my entire catalog. You'll see where my heart is. Yes. Anywho, um, I'm going to add on to the back of this an interview that I could not find. I could not find my interview with the late Mr. Leroy Johnson. I located it, people. Oh, my God. I could not find it anywhere. I'm all elbows. I always tell you that, but I've enrolled in computer classes, and for the new year, I'm going to get this technological stuff together as best I can, man. I'm going to do what I can. So, God only knows uh, the interview with Mr. Johnson was done just at the beginning of the pandemic, so... Just, you know, keep that in mind. It, it'll just be good to hear from him. He transitioned this past year, and he will be missed. I also located my Diana Adams interview. I'll be pumping that out if I don't pump it out before and now. A little late broadcasting this month. 
got a lot going on. A lot of deadlines. And I'm meeting all of them. I just didn't get these out on time. And previously, last month, we got uh, Winnie's out early. But we're going to get this one done with Diana Adams. I'm going to put that out today, which is uh, November 14th. And I'm going to put this one out as scheduled, first Tuesday of December. And you can check this out. And uh, the interview that I'll tell with this one, that I'll pair with this one, is the one with Leroy Johnson. So I want everybody to continue to stay positive, working in their clay. And remember, you aren't just an artist of clay, you're an artist of opportunities. You have to create your own opportunities. Don't worry about a seat at the table. Create your own table. And that's what we've been doing. Shout out to Oya Studio Museums. Shout out to Yinka Orphidia. Sister, you are the GOAT. Absolutely. Absolutely. All praises. Anyway, I want you all to hear this song. It's so deep what they're saying. And on the back end, I'll put something else on for you, all right? Love, peace, and hair grease.
Good morning, friends and family, everyone out there in the world today, all on quarantine for this virus. Anyway, this is your host, Robbie Lobb, about to kind of interface with another episode that was done earlier for Potters of Color. So take a listen. out there. This is a new podcast called Potters of Color. I'm your hostess, 
Robbie Lobb, and today we are going to do a podcast on one of my favorite mentors, Mr. Leroy Johnson. In the background, let's give credit to the music. We have Pharaoh's Dance by Miles Davis, and it is from the album Bitches Brew. So I'm just going to read a small excerpt from something I found online about Mr. Johnson. He says here, my work is generally more about compulsion than ambition. Leroy Johnson, born in 1937, is a mixed media artist whose work takes the form of painting, collage, and assemblage sculpture. It doesn't say anything here about his ceramic background. But that's how I met him as a little girl. Back to the reading. As a native Philadelphian, his work is poetic and reflective of his many experiences in the inner city. I am impressed with makeshift structures and structures shaped by necessity, Johnson says. The inner city landscape I depict in both map and metaphor for the actual landscape and the contents of the collective unconscious. His work captures the city in a way that is immediate, intuitive, and filled with experimental understanding, translating the weight of the urban environment into painting and sculpture. Johnson has exhibited widely with past shows at Philadelphia's Magic Garden and in Tel Aviv, Gloucester County, and Camden, and the Historical Society. He has received grants from the Mid-Atlantic Arts Foundation, the Independence Foundation, and the Pennsylvania Council of the Arts, also the Pew Foundation. So with that, I would like to bring to you Mr. Leroy Johnson. Yes, thank you. I am so happy to finally be doing this podcast. This is my first one ever. And I have on the line Mr. Leroy Johnson. So. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. How are you today, Mr. Johnson? Well, I don't have a fever. Amen. I slept well. Amen. Taking my vitamins, my oil of oregano. Mm-hmm. Various other things. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. I sterilized my bathroom this morning. That's mm-hmm. an achievement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sterile hands and knees, Jack. All right. Now. That's right. For real, for real. Bleach. Bleach the dirt down. Shower curtains. Bath mat. Everything. Went insane. So I'm going to have to be here for a couple of days or weeks. Yeah, this. Might as well clean up. With this coronavirus thing taking hold of everyone's imagination and some people's health, yes, you have to do it. You have to do it. I just came back from a whole bunch of errands with the family, getting this and that, and the shelves mm. are bare. It's amazing. It's amazing. But um, prayerfully, we will all find a way through it. But in the meantime, we're going to keep each other entertained and informed by talking about potters of color the first show on the internet and on um, podcasts, I believe, to have specifically 
looked at that. Um, well, when I say internet, that's not true. But the first podcast that I'm aware of that specifically talks to potters of color. And the reason why my first guest is Mr. Leroy Johnson is because he is the first person that I've ever seen on a potter's wheel over at Ile Ife back in the late 60s, early 70s, when him and my mother worked at a Model Cities program at Ile Ife, formerly Ile Ife, now it's known as um, Spaces, and before that it was Village of the Arts. So uh, without further ado, Mr. Johnson, tell us about your work and your journey as an artist, and especially as a potter. Well, I've always had a fascination with clay, and clay was my first uh, love. I've always painted, but clay was certainly something that I always did. I learned to uh, fl throw and work with clay at Fleischer's uh, Art Memorial. Oh, wow. So, uh, Interesting. At that time, that was earthenware. So I'm pretty well versed in the uh, earthenware tradition. And that's what really drew me to clay. I like low-fired uh, clay and earthenware. Uh, for me, I'm an artist. I just, I just have a facility in most materials that I approach. I love investigating and exploring. And so I, I, bring a, I, I bring a certain cultural package with me of artists, of, of great, I consider the most wonderful artists of color in clay mm -hmm. paint and sculpture. A lot of my interest in clay comes as much from the knock and okay terracotta sculptures as it does from uh, old. I love having to love a lot of Nigerian pottery, whatever. So I like, and I like hand building. Mm -hmm. uh, I personally, the, the way I approach clay, I'm doing some studies now and research now, which I won't really get into because it's still, I'm still writing about it. Uh, the history of uh, clay, uh, not just as, as 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 you think of it, and uh, in Africa, which is where I, I it's what I look at really specifically. Mm -hmm. But uh, other thing, we have places where I feel that African influence has been and is gone, mm -hmm. and also the tradition of, as I say, of low fired clay and the fact that women and their participation in it, which is. Uh, sometimes overshadowed by the fact that they're mainly hand builders and in the society we live in it seems that uh, you know technology we can you can look at as the potter's wheel as an early technology it tends to be a uh, male dominated and uh, right as much probably as much as a cultural thing as anything now in a way I think people have adopted that. It's wonderful to see women getting more involved in something that was always theirs to start with. Amen. Yes. And, uh, I feel that the women of color would do, be, would do that as a fascinating exercise and also as a way to really examine some, some of the aspects of their culture that are a bit more real than the idea that most of what people do, in my opinion, is a reflection of their uh, brainwashing. That's about what is art and what is good and what is bad and whatnot. It's been really structured by that. There's never been any real examination of any other aspect. It, 
but in the way that I'm currently approaching it, as I say, I'm writing about that now. So hopefully, I'll have something out to further uh, explain my my thoughts about that. I tend to think of things in terms of really as an artist in general, and not just specifically uh, Clay. As I say, Clay is my first love. It's a very spiritual and uh, wonderful material, and I grew up in an area where there was plenty of natural clay. In fact, Philadelphia is a site for lots of good clay. So I feel like it's just, it just was natural for me to be involved in that. I played a little mud, in mud and puddles and stuff like that as a kid. I think well, it starts from there. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that that is one of the things that I've always really loved about you, Mr. Johnson, um, is how you're so versatile. You can go from clay to painting to mixed media to sculpture to writing you just have always been a very multifaceted person and um even when you uh taught me a little bit about the microbiotic diet i had never heard of that before and i hear about it even less now but what i definitely loved about always knowing you was that you were always very open and expressive about things that you were doing in the arts or for your health and for your your mental expansion. Um, and I, I want to take this moment really just on a personal note to thank you for being a mentor in my life from the time that I was in grade school and definitely through my Moore College of Art days, I think you were the one that helped me to understand what they meant by throw up. I thought it was, yeah. oh, you mean vomit? <laughs> but you yeah, helped up. me understand that the centering aspect was just as important as it is. It was just one of the aspects of throwing. So I want to thank you for that in front of the world. Because, Mr. Johnson, without you, I don't think I would have ever really gotten into Clay. You were the first person I saw, then it was Curtis Johnson, and then it was... Uh, Jack wow, that's right. Yes, yes, Curtis Brown. I'm sorry, yes, Curtis Brown. I'm sorry, Mr. Curtis, over at Pennsylvania Advancement School, 5th and Luzerne, okay. here in Philadelphia. But... um Without you guys really kind of giving me the opportunity to touch clay, I never would have known it. And um, your perspective on, you know, sculptures and mixed media and things like that are always very, very, not uh, just education, but educational, but entertaining as well. Okay. You know, you your house. Like you said earlier about... Uh stuff. I always looked at my life as a long-term experiment. Mm. I'm not in here for the short haul. Right. And in order to do that, you have to look at it as, almost as, as you would an athlete. You have to stay in shape. Right. You know, for me, at least for me, that's very important. I have to feel, feel good and, and be able to work as best I can as I continue to age and whatnot in order to be effective and whatnot. You can't do that if you've allowed a yourself to be conquered by diet or any of the other vices that I'm, I'm very familiar with. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'll, I'll say this too. Um, Mr. Johnson was born in 
19... Blah, blah, blah. 1937. Okay, I thought I'd let you say that. It ain't no difference to me, you know. I'm <laughs> very happy to be, have been born in 1937. Amen, yes. You know? So, we're talking about a brother who could still stroll up on the scene, out throw anybody in the room, will be like the hardest worker in the studio, and have wit to spare. Wit and information to spare. But you now I, just... need, I need I need somebody with good wrist to wedge. I can't wedge as well as I used to. Oh, listen! I noticed the uh, pain that comes in your wrist. Yeah, yeah. If the clay, be very careful. Oh my God! If the clay is anywhere near too hard, it definitely it yeah, you'll well. feel it like a day or two later, and it aches. It it sort of fades in like an ache and fades out, and it comes back. It's like you got to study the different techniques of wedging or whatnot. Some people stay in the one technique, and you wear your mm -hmm. things. That there's lots of other ways to wedge your clay really well using more of your mm -hmm. body weight than just simply your wrist. But it took me a little while to figure that out. But still, I don't, I don't, I don't try to handle the amounts of clay that uh, I'm not interested in that anyway. I got right. other pursuits when it comes to clay. I'm much more interested in being able to fire a, a small, a small pipe or something like that that I, from clay I, I picked up here in Philadelphia and process it, and then do a sawdust firing or something like that, and have a result come from that as much as anything else. For me, the process and experience is such that I really don't need, I don't need to necessarily make stuff to sell. I don't have to make stuff that people like that looks pretty or not anything. I like to play around with the clay right now. You know, I'm just lucky that people like the work I do and have a, you know, attracted to it, but I really just try to stay loose. Like I said, I have my own aesthetic principles about what what's right and wrong and what's good and bad that I've developed over the years. And I feel like that that's just that's to me that's in anything. I don't believe you can really get do very much of anything with this with any of this stuff till you're around forty five or fifty anyway. And anything else before all before that you're just, you know, doing that. Lots of young people I talk to think that they'll get out of art school or something and they'll make it in 10 years. Well, you might. <clears throat> and it might take a lot longer than that, too. It's all a question of, uh, you know, let's say maybe the will of the gods. How much drive you got and what it is you want. Right. Because there's many ways to approach clay and whatnot. You don't have to be a little village potter or anything. You can be a commercial person and be quite successful and happy and come up with your own designs, which is neat. You know, or you can be one of a kind person, or you can just you can do production. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's more important probably to get young people involved in it. Really, I feel like that people get another connection with nature over uh, your valued cell phone, which I mean is invaluable. You know, it's invaluable. It's just, that's why people will be able to stay sequestered in their homes for weeks, right? Because they'll be able to communicate with each other. And if you have FaceTime, they can even see each other. And they can have a, that's how they can have a group with a bunch of people on their phones, FaceTime, talking to each other. Or like this very interesting podcast uh, yeah. development. But they're also talking about how the 5G and all of the electromagnetic waves are what created many of the uh, influenza and lung problems because the uh, cells 
uh, lose their ability to pick up oxygen or, or, or water and oxygen or something like that. I don't really know the entire scientific terminology about it, but um, it's interesting. The same thing that will make you laugh will make you cry or the same things that are, uh, uh, are to an advantage to you can also be a disadvantage with this technology thing. And I think for me personally, and I hear, I heard you say for yourself that uh, part of what drew you to clay was the spirituality of it. Yeah. You know, and, and for me, as well as what I learned from you early on was that it's important to embrace your culture. Um, you know, it, it, um, it always surprised me when I would get into mixed company, how people would look at my work and be like, Oh, that's voodoo. Uh, so what if it is, but African spirituality is more than voodoo. So, uh, the part about working with clay for me has been very cathartic and healing as I'm sure it has been for you. And yeah, I know, but I come from, I come from an Afro American tradition and my inspirations are Afro Americans. Although as a young man, I certainly appreciated African art and certainly have a, have investigated and examined it and admired it. Nonetheless, I'm interested in what Afro-Americans have done, descendants of some of the people who some of their descendants, ancestors were involved with slavery and whatnot, what they produced, because I consider that to be the, the original American art. Native American art and indigenous one thing, but they were a conquered, you know, people suffering genocide. <clears throat> And uh, for our African ancestors who came over here, the slate was washed clean. Mm-hmm. In spite of what people like to believe, usually when you enslave people, you take the women and children. All right? Okay. That's how that works. Mm-hmm. You can easily, once a little kid sees somebody beaten or their head cut off, what do you start start getting teaching them and whatnot. And the system that was used here has been used all over the world all of the time. If you check history, there's nothing unique about any of this. Right. However, we, because of that, are very unique and creative people, you know, as a group. And much of our history, most of our history of that time has been shaped by others. Right. You know, I'm currently reading the uh, selected letters of uh, Ralph Ellison, lots of them to Richard Wright, two writers that absolutely inspired me in my my life and in my childhood. Mm. I consider Richard Wright, Ralph Ellison, somebody like Adam Clayton Powell. Come on. Adam Clayton Powell, Joe Lewis, and Sugar Ray Robinson. (laughs) They're all part of when I when I a little dude, you know. So I feel like I ain't heard it. And it's more and more wonderful people like that, too. So I feel pretty fortunate. Like, and I feel like people really don't can't appreciate how wonderful Frederick Douglass was. They know right. a little bit about Harriet, Harriet Tubman. They know less about Sojourner Truth and any number of other women that I can name right now. And African-American men. Afro-American men. You know. So, and they certainly contributed to a those of artists I would recommend if I ever taught a, a course in uh, 
art course in school or whatnot. Did you? And it could be all purely African-American, fine artists or whatnot, you know? It'd give you some real roots and some work and whatnot and approach to things and whatnot that have nothing to do with uh, anything. I don't like to get all involved because people right now, Afrofuturism and a lot of other things are going around. And I say, I'm old. I'm an old, you know, old school, so I see things from that point of view. So naturally, your music isn't music. The dress, clothing isn't clothing. Young people are crazy. I never saw it. You know, that's what happen, always happens. That happens to anybody. Right. You know. Yeah. But I don't, yeah. I, I'm not the judge, but I recognize I'm an observer. Mm -hmm. So I can under, I understand that. That's just the thing. As you get older and whatnot, you're stuck in your own path and whatnot. That's why I try to work to be as flexible as I can, mm -hmm. be as explorative as I can, recognizing that I am a human being. Right. You know, right. Let's say I have, but I have a certain point of view and vision of whatnot that I'm pursuing. I'm not. I was never in this game just to make anybody happy anyway. Right. Anybody except myself in reality. Not right. Fortunate, blessed. I've encountered many, many of the people in the art world, the social world, the political world, and many other worlds and whatnot that you've heard about and read about. I knew and was in their mm -hmm. company. Right. Quite. I mean, just on the Clay side, I'd met M.C. Richards and, and Karen Carnes and Paulus Burns, who was a good buddy of mine. I still have letters from him. You know, he sent me to John. I've known some of the people in Clay Daly and all the rest of them. Uh-huh. All of them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's... I mean, I've been... I've been... I've been... That, 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 and that's, I won't even go into the painter's... I've shown with I know and things like that. So there's lots of incredible things that uh, and cross sections and intersectionality to go on with African Americans that we don't know about. Like you're never really aware that uh, Romare Bearden, for instance, was familiar with Picasso and the guys. He was in Paris at the, and, and met some of them, knew some of them, and some of those Wilfred Delaney and other people like that. You know. Mm -hmm. You don't mm -hmm. you don't know of uh, because all, most of your most of the stuff that you see and whatnot is very is very biased, not necessarily intentionally, because some mm -hmm. some lots of times people of color promote the same stuff too. That's true. That's, that's why I say I write because I'm writing to see if I can't get some of this out and off my chest anyway and state my position without sounding like I'm just some old sourpuss or something. You know. Uh, I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad you're doing that, um, Mr. Johnson. You are a treasure, and you've always been very important to me in my life, and I know that others feel that way. Anytime I happen to talk about you as a mentor in my life, about seven people in the room pop up and light up. You know, Mr. Johnson? You know? So you are definitely very treasured by a lot of people. But I hope coronavirus feels the same way. <laughs> I hope coronavirus doesn't go anywhere My girl, Corona. That sounds like a name, doesn't it? Yeah, right. Coronavirus. All right. Damn. Damn. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. The. No, like so I'm hoping that.
Remember also, if you'd like to have an interview and you're a Afro-Indigenous potter, please get in touch with me by emailing me at pottersofcolorpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, add your telephone number, cell phone preferably, and any other pertinent information. And I will be sure and get back to you and set up an interview time. We look forward to our interviews in the future. We will be talking in the new season with administrative people from Aramont who are opening their doors in wonderful ways for Afro-Indigenous people to come and hang out, fellowships, etc. I want to give a huge shout out also to the Color Network and all the work that they do to help facilitate, support, and mentor potters of color from all over the United States and probably the world. I want to thank you guys for your help in connecting me with my most recent opportunities. I am grateful. Yes, that's the Color Network, people. Check them out. So make sure you also maintain an affiliation with all of the organizations out there that have to do with art. You know, it's good to be able to stand as a as a unit, but also make sure that you bridge worlds. You know, a lot of these traditional institutional organizations have been more accepting and I'd like to thank them for their inclusiveness. Thank you. It's about time. But yes, thank you. All right. Additionally, our upcoming interviews will include one interview that I couldn't find that I know we recorded. I'll get back to you ASAP. Greta Michelle, I didn't forget you, sister. I will be in touch. So again, I want to thank everybody for a marvelous season. This second season, astounding. Once again, congratulations to Oya Studio Museums. Um, and, of course, to Simone Lee for all that she's been doing. Rock on, sister. And let's not forget Mr. Roberto Lugo. Winnie, I love you. Winnie, you are absolutely the measure (laughs) of what we'd all like to become. International traveler, international educator. Global. That's the goal. 
So yes, get in touch, people. Let's connect these dots. Let's open up avenues. Let's create things. And uh, let's create opportunities for each other. I love you all. Love, peace, and hair grease.